BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Deep inside the Fox 6 studios. I don't think there's anybody like him. In a small, windowless room. I just hope he knows how talented he is and valued he is. Is a master of the visual. He is as fine a journalist as this station has ever produced. With a vocabulary. Tons of shit to shoot outside. Swear as much as possible. Well, yeah. You gotta. <laughs> yeah. That could make a sailor blush. You wouldn't know it, given some of the things I've said over the years, but I like reporters. I do. This week on Open Record. Oof, what have I gotten myself into? We pull the curtain back on The Magician. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm your host, Brian Polson, and I'm joined by Open Record's executive producer, Sarah Smith. Hey, Sarah. Hi. And we are also joined today by a man who probably wants nothing to do with being in front of a camera, <laughs> but he's a man who makes television magic behind the scenes, Open Record's video editor extraordinaire, Dave Machuda. Dave, welcome to Open Record Hi. on this side <laughs> yes. of the camera. Thanks for having me. We are recording this episode on Valentine's Day, February 14th, for release on Thursday, February 15th. And if you're wondering why Dave is sitting here with us, it's because so just a yeah. <laughs> no, you Same. know he's just but he's he's we're graciously uh, giving us this time because a few days ago Dave was one of six local television journalists inducted into the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences Silver Circle. By the way, National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, those are the Emmy people. So yep. you're familiar with them from the Emmy Awards. They also have something called the Silver Circle, which is an honor that is bestowed upon television journalists both in front of the camera and behind the scenes, who have excelled at their craft for more than a quarter of a century. And uh, that just means we're all old, right? So, so many we're years. sitting here with you. We go back way back with Dave. When we come back from our first break, we're going to talk about what it means to be a television news editor and the incredible story for which Dave had a front row seat before he ever came to Fox 6. We'll do all that when we come right back. Okay, so Dave, uh, you, when I say silver circle, obviously it means you've been in this business for a very long time and you do go uh, way back. But I, I want to start with just when we tell people that you're an editor, I, I think some people will hear editor and think like in a newspaper, you are the like person who's editing scripts that people write or things like that, or you're, you're the boss or whatever it is. But what, <laughs> what, what, in my, my <laughs> what is a video editor in television news? <laughs> That's a good question. Right, right. <laughs> It's an suddenly it's existential questions, I, right? It is, that, right? right? Yeah. Well, I mean, we take photographers go out and shoot the video. You know, whether it's let's say uh, your story about flock cameras, several photographers going out and they'll do shoot the interviews, they'll shoot video of the cameras up on the poles, they'll shoot video of traffic, all of that type of thing. Um, then they bring it back. You log all of it, listen to it, decide what sound bites you need, write the whole thing, and then I just lay all the video down basically. And you pick the <laughs> best shots because I think like, okay, for like the regular person, like, okay, you shoot video and you're doing this. Not everything you shoot looks good. Right. Like the beginning part is a little out of focus or the end part, your camera's all jiggly. You take the best shots and match it with the words. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously more to it than, yeah. than just... I think there's so much more there to it. Right. Because that, I mean, that's an oversimplification, uh, obviously, of right, what you're right. doing. Right, right. You know, and sometimes it's, 
it's just choosing the best shot. Sometimes it's, you know, little subtle things like this shot kind of has like a hidden meaning behind it because it works with the, the script better. You know, a lot of it is dealing with audio issues and making sure yeah. that all of that is clean and that kind of stuff. And then you get into something that's a little bit more advanced where it's special effects and, you know, multiple boxes up at the same time and, you know, making things look like film versus video and or editing to music too. Yeah, like all, people all, take all a lot that of that for granted, like music you hear the selection beats and yeah. all of a sudden the shots are changing. And in your brain, it's like so smooth, but you don't think about how every single cut you're sitting there over and over watching the same piece of video oh, God. and listening to the same music. I, that, that brings up a story. I remember I was doing like some sort of freelance stuff um, and I was cutting a, an open for some like documentary or something on PBS. And it was about uh, prison reform or something like that. And they had interviewed one particular guy. Um, and as part of the interview, he, he like sang some blues song or something like that, you know, in his cell. So, I mean, like for, for the show is really kind of a moving little thing. Well, they use that for the open of the show, him singing this blues song. And so I used that and cut like a 30, 40 second open. And my kids were like, dad, if I hear that song one more time, I'm going to come in there and unplug the computer. Yeah. Cause it was just over and over and over. And that's, you, you kind of drive yourself crazy, but you worry about little, literally, you know, a frame of video is a 60th of a second. And so you're sitting there, oh, that was okay. I'm just going to trim it by like, you know, two, two frames, you know, that kind of thing. There's a lot of technical stuff to what you do, but I, I, when we talked about who's inducted into the silver circle, I use the word journalists. And I think that's really what, what, uh, maybe people don't get when it comes to editing stories, especially when you start talking about some of the investigative pieces you have over the years or the contact six pieces or other things. There is a journalism that goes into shot selection um, that goes into how you organize things. And I know when we will, um, Dave has edited virtually every investigation I've done at Fox six news with very few exceptions over the 20 years that I've been here. And so we've gotten to know each other's uh, uh, you know, sort of how, when we, when we sit down to talk about a script, I know what Dave's looking for, or sometimes I know what I don't have that Dave yeah, is going right, to be looking yeah. for. And I sheepishly have to say, okay, for this section of the story, I don't know what we're going to see. I know it's important information. Let's talk about some ideas. But that is a big piece of it is you can, any reporter can write words mm -hmm. and they can have sound bites. But if you don't know what you're going to see in television, that doesn't work. Right. Oh, totally, totally. Um, a lot of times I, like with your scripts, you've thought about every, everything, what you're going to see for every part of it. And you don't need a reporter to have like literally scripted out every single shot, but you at least want them to have thought about what they're, mm -hmm. what they're writing or what the, what's going to be showing with it kind of thing. So that it's not all file video, you know, if they're doing a story on COVID, it's just nothing but file video of syringes. You know, syringes yeah. and, right, yeah. and, and or you're writing to like video that, that doesn't, doesn't we exist. don't have, yeah. doesn't it, exist you know. and, that, and that kind of thing. And so it's a, it's definitely a combination or a, a marriage of, you know, the, the words and the images and hopefully everybody or people on both sides, but myself on the editing side and the reporter on the other side, thinking about the same thing. And like you said, we've been doing it together for so long. We already are kind of on that wavelength kind of thing. Um, but especially for younger reporters that are coming up that haven't been, you know, doing this quite as long. Um, they, it takes some, sometimes, you know, a while to figure out that I, I have to be thinking in, that, in those terms all the time. Um, and, and then you all, part of that is you can run into problems if you, not only if you haven't thought about it, but if you're using the wrong images in the wrong place, 
kind of thing. You can send messages that mean absolutely something right. different than what you intended. And oh. sometimes that can be a legal problem. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally, totally. When, when, you know, when I started in this business at, at Fox 6, I was a show editor. So I didn't do like the pieces that, you know, for you and that type of thing. I was just editing regular shows, the five o'clock show, the 10 o'clock show, that kind of thing. And occasionally you'd get, let's say there's a story about, uh, you know, somebody was shot at a McDonald's somewhere and it's not necessarily right in our viewing area. And so we don't have video of it or something like that. And some producer will give you a source that is just McDonald's file, but that file is of a local McDonald's. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you've uh, now it, suggested. It, yeah. yeah. Right. You, you can't put those two together. Mm -hmm. And so you gotta, you, you know, for a show editor, one of their important things is you're the last person that's going to see that video before it hits the air. Mm -hmm. So if you see something like that, that, Hey, this doesn't, you're, you're implicating somebody. You can't do that. Or if, well, I think of the, I mean, as editors, you're off in that last line of defense, right? right. You are the ones that will, right. you, you're putting it together. Maybe somebody in a rush called for a source and you look at that video and you go, I don't think this is what they wanted, is it? And if you say nothing, that goes on the air and then maybe all hell yeah. breaks loose. Yeah. But, I remember we, we did a story one time. There, it was, you know, in a, in a normal newscast, you get a ton of like health stories a lot of times. Um, you know, chocolate's good for you, chocolate's bad for you, chocolate is, you know, whatever, that kind of thing. And this was a story about breast cancer or something like that. And so the producer pulled um, like, a, like an old package that we had done like, you know, three or four years ago about breast cancer kind of thing. And I just was like, we can't be showing these women. Some of these women might be dead for crying out right, loud. You can't right. just be, you know. Yeah. And the producer was like, oh, yeah, you're right. And, and it's it's an important role for a show editor to be the last line of defense kind of mm -hmm. thing. You know, whether it's that or whether it's, um, you know, let's say it's a, a fire and some of the video is just a little bit too, you know, graphic. You know, injured person or something like that, you know, or shooting you can't be showing dead bodies on the air. So they're the last line of defense. So it's a part of their role. So you started as a show editor, but that's not what you, when you came out of school, that's not what you were doing. So how did you, what did you start out doing and then come into yeah, show How did editing? you get into this? Yeah. How? Um. <laughs> Great. Next question. <laughs> well, so it was a dream since you were yeah. a cop. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, in, in, in school, I, I had applied for the school of business when I was at UW Madison, mainly because my roommate was, you know, he was, he was doing that. And so I, I had bailed out of one thing already. I was looking for something else. So I applied for the school of business and I don't know what it's like now, but back then it was hard to get in to the school of business. And so I just kind of, and it was anticipating not getting in. And so I started taking com arts classes, radio, TV, film, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I had pretty much decided that's where I was going to go. And all of a sudden the school of business let me in. And so I was like, well, heck, I might as well just take advantage of the fact that they let me in. So I, my degree is in marketing. And so I thought originally, I thought maybe that's not a too bad of a combination marketing and then radio TV film would be a good like advertising kind of thing. Um, and then when I got out of school, it was mainly marketing type things, sales and, and that kind of stuff. And you so, could have been a sales guy if you didn't drop so many F-bombs. Is that what I would say? I could have been a sales guy if I was any good at it. Okay, there's that too. I that just too. sucked at it. <laughs> it was, you know, I can't even, you know, now it's so completely out of my, like, personality to do that type of thing. But, you know, when you're young and you're, you know, you're desperate and kind of stuff. And so uh, one of my jobs was working for a local company that sold broadcast video equipment and channel six actually was one of my clients. And, um, somewhere along the line there, I just realized I don't want to sell this stuff a, because I'm bad at it, but B I want to use it rather than sell it. And another one of my clients was looking for a part-time audio engineer. And so I 
quit the full-time job, went back to school at MATC to get hands-on uh, experience, and then did this part-time audio gig um, until, you know, I got enough experience and that kind of stuff to get into the actual business of TV news. So you ended up as a video editor, but I think you have a unique role in especially modern newsrooms, which is most people now who are photojournalists, they're going out into the field, getting video, they're editing their own video. They are doing all of it. In some cases, it's a reporter who is also shooting the video, who is also editing their own video. We call it in the business an MMJ, multimedia journalist. It's part of the do more with less that we see across corporate America. Um, so having a dedicated video editor is not, other than maybe the show editors who are, you know, news of the day, they're they're putting some things out there. But you have been a special projects editor here for a long, long time. How did that even come about? How did that become what you are known for and, and, and your specialty? Um, it's, you know, it's something I'm really grateful for because as you said, it's not very common. Um, back in, I'm trying to think of when, mid nineties or so is when I had started. And somewhere along the line there, that was, well, that was when the Packers, their first resurgence with Brett Favre, we started covering him a lot more. And then I started working with Brian Graham, who was our sports producer at the time to do special projects for the sports department, opens for Packers specials and that type of thing. And we, we developed a show called the Sunday morning blitz. And so that was a Packers pregame show that aired before the Fox uh, pregame show. And so I was working with Brian on that and I think it was like 1997 uh, is my wife at the time died of breast cancer. And so I was left with a five-year-old and a two-year-old to raise and trying to work second shift. And it was just, it was difficult. And so me and Brian were doing the, the, the blitz. I would bring the kids in on Saturday sometimes, which they kind of liked, you know, they would run around the atrium and, you know, ride the elevator up and down and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so our news director at the time, Jill Geisler, realized that that just wasn't going to work as a long-term solution for me to be working second shift, trying to raise two kids and that kind of stuff. So she invented the role of special projects editor specifically to allow me to stay at the station, um, continue to do interesting stuff like the Sunday morning blitz and then some other stuff. Um, and so she made it a Monday through Friday, nine to five job that, you know, I wouldn't be here doing this if she hadn't done that back then i have to imagine she must have seen something in you even mm -hmm. back then because either that or just serendipity she creates a position and you become absolutely one of the best ever at it because <laughs> did, did you know back then you were that good of an editor did she know that oh. it was like we got to find a way to keep him around back then i mean i mean i i had edited because i started as a show editor and then morphed into this you know other role um so i did you know health stories and different you know different regular full-blown packages and things. But at that time, when she invented the position, it was mainly me working um, with Brian on the on the Sunday morning blitz doing sports stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I was doing a ton of that kind of stuff. Um, and which is funny now, because now I barely touch sports at all. But that's where it all started was doing sports and a lot of like, um, music, almost like music videos for sports, mm -hmm. um, that type of thing. And so at that time, I had no inkling that it was going to turn into something like this where you know they're longer you know six seven minute pieces with elaborate graphics and and all that kind of stuff you know back then me and brian were just setting packers highlights to green day <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. Or Barry Manilow. Yes. Barry Manilow, you <laughs> talked about that. So you've been at Fox 6 since the mid-90s, roughly, right? Yeah. I think it was around the time it was of the, the... fall of 94. So it was around the time of the affiliate swap when TV6 was CBS and then became Fox. Yes. And, and you came. So you've been here. You've been through a lot of news. You've seen a lot. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to actually talk about one of the biggest stories of your career before you ever got to Fox 6 News. We're going to talk about that when we come back. Before you came to Fox 6 in 1994, you said it was? Yeah. 1994. Um, one of the biggest stories probably in American history happened right here in Milwaukee, and that was the uh, the, the trial of Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, obviously, if you don't know who Jeffrey Dahmer was, we don't have time for me to explain that to you in this podcast. <laughs> but obviously, podcast, one of the yeah. most notorious mass murderers um, or, or you know serial killers in history. Um, and tell me how you ended up at the Dahmer trial. Um, at the time, I was working commercial production, so you know, editing car dealer ads and all that kind of stuff. Um, and part of what we did, our company, was we did freelance stuff for Court TV. I don't even think Court TV exists anymore. Are they now True TV or something? Yeah. Or, uh, or I don't know, whatever. Yeah. But um, so we did a few trials for them. They would, when they would do a trial, they would send, a lot of times they would send a reporter to the to the city and then contract with, with a local production company to shoot the trial. And so we did, uh, one of the other trials we did was Jesse Anderson. I don't know if you remember mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. um, we did Charles Barkley. Oh, really? Okay. He, he got into a bar fight in Milwaukee. And so we got to hang out with Charles Barkley between. Hang out. You know, in, in the <laughs> did you hang out with Jeffrey Dahmer between? No, no. no. Okay. No. All right. I just want to clarify. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so we did several different trials for Court TV. And then when the Dahmer thing came up, they hired us to do that. Um, and that was def, it turned into more like for, for like the Barkley trial, it was just us, the, the small production company. It was like three of us doing that kind of thing. The Dahmer thing was obviously a much bigger deal. And so I ended up running the camera, the, we had two cameras up on top of the, the divider. Um, they're like robotic cameras. And then only one actual human operated camera kind of thing on the other side of the glass. So they had a little riser right behind the defense table. So it was behind the defense table and over a little bit, you know, maybe. So you were on the side with the with, all of the parties, the defense with, with and the Dahmer, prosecution yeah, with Dahmer. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So we were right behind his table, you know, maybe five or six feet away um, and on a little riser. So we were up a little bit. So I, I ran that camera. For, I think it was like three weeks the trial was maybe something like that so you know every day him in and out and in and out you follow him in and follow gosh sorry about that Kale. <laughs> um sorry about that Dave you're the one that this, has this to this edit the best, it the best part Dave gets to edit his own podcast yes. he was that's, already that's like oh I have to listen to my voice for 45 minutes yes I know and I haven't sworn yet so it's <laughs> Um, but anyway, yeah, so it was, you know, day after day of having to listen to that. And... What was he like? I mean, because you're on that, especially when there's the moments between something starting or or whatever it is, that's sort of that downtime. Was he quiet? Did he talk? He, what was he, he was, like? He was very quiet. I mean, so he wasn't, and he wasn't really that terribly creepy. I, I remember thinking that Jesse Anderson was a little creepier in person than Dahmer was, um, except that there was one time um, Dahmer was Coming in, you know, he comes in from the, they, they brought him up uh, some back hallway. So he comes in that door and comes right towards his desk. So he's walking right towards me. And I'm just, you know, it was a camera that was up in the air like this. And so I'm like operating it back and forth. And, you know, I had done it a hundred times already. So you expect him just to kind of walk through and go and sit down. And so I'm watching him and he's walking and he's all of a sudden he starts speaking and it 
threw me off so much that he walked out of frame because I just, I think the camera just stopped. I was like, what, what's going on? I zoom out. He was speaking and he was speaking right to the camera, probably this far away, as far mm-hmm. as we are. And he had a copy of a newspaper. There was a, the national Enquirer headline was Dahmer eats cellmate. <laughs> wow. Wow. So and he was talking about that, about that. He goes, Did you see what they're writing about me or something like that? But he stopped and addressed the camera wow. pretty directly. And that freaked me the heck out. I mean, it was just it's like he's directing, uh, addressing yeah. you one on one because you've you got never that, heard yeah. his voice. Yeah, he, he, he didn't testify. You mm-hmm. basically never heard his voice. And so that was, a, I, I, you know, I got it back in as quickly as I could. But that was a little disconcerting to, to see, you know, that kind of thing. So one of the things, you know, 1991, the trial, and starting at Fox 6 in the mid-90s, we're in 2024. Technology has certainly changed. Oh, God. And so you've kind of run the gamut of, I mean, when I started in TV, we were running tapes from a tape room. Oh, yeah. An editor. Like sorry, the movie Broadcast to, News. Like, yeah. Literally, really, at my yeah. first yeah. station, you ran up two flights of stairs, and if that tape was late, you were double staring, hoofing it up there to get it to the yep. tape guy to stick it in there. So talk about some of the well, technology that's, that's changed. It's funny because my first uh, job, not at Channel 6, at, at Channel 18 in news was almost the opposite. It was downstairs. <laughs> so you'd be editing a show and you'd go downstairs. <laughs> and I was worse. really good because it was two flights of stairs, one this way, and then it would turn mm-hmm. that that turn Ooh, you really gra- good. grab the rail <laughs> hang on the rail you jump the last steps and you kind of start to turn in midair oh it was really you were young and, and now I'm just i would be dead yes you know i mean i think back then when we were when it was all on tape also you have uh the, the tape that's got to go on the show but there's also the raw tape that a photographer shot oh, in the field yeah the producers need that because they need to cut teases for the show yep. and the the reporter needs it because they need to log the video so they can write their story and the editor needs it because you need so there was always that literally a physical battle for where is the tape and get Who's me the tape oh, yeah. right? i had a reporter throw a tape at me one time <laughs> because <laughs> he was so sick you know I, I had to cut a tease for his story that he was working on and i i had come up to him like three or four times already saying i need that tape just give it to me for two minutes and i will run and cut the tease and he got so irritated with me asking for it that he literally took the tape and just chucked it out <laughs> those things are hard <laughs> it's hard quarters yeah, yeah. yeah. do some damage yeah so i mean that when i think about how much i'll throw all the show editors under the bus right now that Uh-oh. they have it so easy <laughs> Compared to what we the used videos to have. right there back at in your my desk, day, right? yeah. yeah. I mean, back when we first, when I first started show editing, we were editing on three quarter inch tape, which is basically for anybody that doesn't know, they're like they you're essentially they're like giant VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. It would take that tape almost ten seconds to eject from the machine. Oh, yeah, right. Gosh. And so when we would slate the show, which is putting the title of the thing on each <laughs> on each tape, I would do that in two different edit bays uh-huh. at the same time because it would take 10 seconds to eject the tape. I could run into the other <laughs> one, do something and come back and the tape was still coming out. And, you know, that kind of stuff. I remember one one time I put a stopwatch around my neck to see how much time I spent looking for things, like looking for tapes, uh-huh. bothering a reporter. For, and about halfway through the day, I stopped doing it because I was spending three quarters of my time running around grabbing things and looking for things than I compared to editing. Now, because of the physical nature of what it was at the time, you would insert a tape, you would wait for it to load, you would Mm -hmm. cut a a piece from that to the other tape that it was going on to, you'd pop that tape out, put another one in. Because of that, it was really limited what you could do in terms of creativity, in terms Mm -hmm. of certainly graphics and other things. Now here we are in a computer world, a nonlinear editing world, where not only can, can you have all of those video sources just loaded on the computer and you can make edits, and transitions and sort of things. 
you also can do things graphically and with animation and other effects that you never could do before. And I don't know anyone who has become as skilled at doing it as thoroughly and as quickly as you. And I know there are a lot of photographers here at Fox 6 News who say, Dave, can you teach me how to do this? But you have obviously built those skills over the years to where now you are sometimes creating things completely out of thin air that don't exist, but look like real documents or or like I, I think I pointed out in the video we did for your civil circle induction, a tabletop that doesn't exist, but it's got the texture of reflection and shadowing and things. I mean, can you talk about how you've developed those skills out of a from a tape to tape world to where we are today? I don't really know exactly how I did it. it it's basically just being around it for so long. Yeah. Um, I used Final Cut Pro to edit. Most A lot of people uh, will be familiar with uh, Adobe Premiere and After Effects. This is Apple's version of that. So I use something called Motion. Um, and it's it, part of it is just out of necessity and part of just out of personal boredom. Like I've, I've done the same document so many times there's only so many times you can have a document on the screen and highlight a piece of video or a piece of text, text from it yeah, right. that you know just to amuse myself i'm like okay let's see if i can make this more interesting looking okay instead of just highlighting the thing i'll cut it out and pull it out of the document okay that's that's interesting now i've done that a bunch of times how about if i make the rest of the document uh, blur out but you leave the text you want in focus you know it just there's multiple ways of doing the same thing make it and, move in three dimensions while i'm highlighting part of it is predicated on how much time do you have you know so luckily when i'm editing your pieces i have the time kind of thing if you're doing a you know shorter term story you don't have the time to mess around like that mm -hmm. so everything is always you know no matter what you do um, it, it's always predicated on how much time you have. You know, you, there's always the deadlines and the, you know that type of thing. I, I also think you said born out of necessity, and we didn't talk about this earlier, but the number of times that reporters, me being one of them, will give you something where you go, I, I don't know what we're going to see here, or we've just seen three sections yeah. of documents in a row, and I have nothing for this one, so I hope you can come up with something. You are the person, unfortunately, who's become the guy when people don't have a solution, they go, Dave will fix it. Dave will come up with something. And actually, sometimes I have thought because of how well you do with that, that maybe I should give Dave less because maybe <laughs> my stories would be even better if I just left it to his genius to figure it out. You would be frustrated as could be. Oh, yeah. And yet somehow you would always come through and you've done that time and time again. But I think some of those creative things you've done were because there was no other visual solution. Right. 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 Yeah. I, that's the thing I've been doing more lately is just parts of a, somebody else's story. So let's say, well, like Ben Handelman did uh, mm -hmm. the Kurderberger story and he wanted to talk about how it came about as far as uh, treat them at viral and all the responses and things like that. And how do you show that? How do you show something about something going viral mm -hmm. video wise? It's really difficult to, you can't shoot video. Besides showing the tweet. Right. Okay. You know, and that, yeah. that kind of thing. So he's like, well, can we, can we show the original tweet and can we show all the retweets and the comments and that kind of stuff to, sh to give it a, a sense of how viral it went kind of thing. And so I only cut the, that 30 seconds of his longer four or five minute story, that kind of thing. And I've been doing that more this past year than I ever have. And that's actually kind of fun because then you're just doing that one little chunk. Yeah. And sometimes they're like Ben's thing was pretty vague. Here's, here's the yeah, tweet. Right. Here's he, the link to the tweet. And you know, with, with right. a bunch of responses, come up with something that's going to last about 30 seconds out of that. And other times they're very specific. I have these stats and I want to say this and this. And so then it's, it's a pretty simple, you know, 
this population is twice as likely to get cancer as this other population. So it's a fairly simple kind of thing. Um, so it goes back and forth. I mean, sometimes you, you like the creativity of having free reign to do whatever you want, but at the same time, sometimes it's nice to have a little bit of direction. Like, okay, what are you thinking this yeah. you know, to be? I've started with reporters because in charge of promotable calendar and our longer form stories, and they have a chunk of their script and they go, I think I just want a graphic right here. I'll just talk to Dave about that. And can, I was can, like, can I bring up an example? Please. That, yes. Because I, I, I have started. I'm not going to, I don't want to out the reporter. No. Can I, can I tell the, the, the Renaissance? Oh yeah. Totally. <laughs> so when, we, when you do it, when you do a, a script, you do television news for a long time because of the teleprompter, when it used to be that the script would actually physically pass in front of the camera, like, you know, I don't know where, which way I'm going here, but it would physically pass in front of the camera, you know, like this. So one section of the script would be this, it had to be a thin, a narrow strip of script. One section of the script would be the actual on-air script. The other half would be edit marks for, you know, whoever needs to see, you know, camera uh, things or, or things that you want the editor to know. Here's the video source to put in here. And and so when I do a story, I'll have sort of over on the left side some, you know, I think it's this uh, soundbite, this time code, where I'm thinking of this video here and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> you got a script one time. Tell, tell me, you, you, you got to tell the story. The script was, I, I, the story I think was about a local photographer or something i'm not really sure and so he had some sort of project that he was working on that dealt with uh royalty or something back in the renaissance or something like that you know and normally like you said normally the video instructions would say you know show the exteriors of the building you know where the murder happened here show this this one the video instruction just said renaissance <laughs> i'm like first of all what format were they on in the what red? What does of, that mean? Were they still shooting on film? <laughs> or probably, had, probably had they moved to the beta tape yeah. yet? You know? Artist sketches. Right. Uh, you know, so uh, like, what What do you mean renaissance? Where, where, where do we get it? What What is it supposed to look like? I am, it's got to be the hardest part of the job is interpreting what is in the mind of reporters right. and producers yeah. when we write things because... I'd argue that there isn't much there to be. You know. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean that. Uh, this is going to lead to the next. This is a perfect thing because I, I do have on the list, so I want to talk about you are sort of known for your colorful language. <laughs> um, and that actually came up in the induction ceremony uh, for the Silver Circle, which I want to take a break. We're going to talk about the Silver Circle a little bit when we come right back. So this was on it was Sunday, right? This just this past just this past <laughs> Sunday. Is today. Yeah, uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Dave, yes. one of six journalists uh, locally inducted into the uh, National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences Silver Circle. So this is like a lifetime achievement. This is excellence in your profession for more than a quarter of a century. There was one person, by the way, um, who was actually given the first ever Golden Ooh, Circle yeah. for more than 50 years of service. And, and and name escapes me. I'd have to pull up the program here. This was um, public television. It was uh, yeah, Everett right. Marshburn. 55 years at, at Milwaukee PBS. Phenomenal. What a career. Um, but so you, you've been doing this for a really long time. And so they, there's a, a presentation, which I know you were delighted to get in front so of people and excited. give a speech, right? <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Yeah. You talked about so long just being so nervous oh, about it. You put so much time into the speech. I appreciate It's probably good that there was that amount of time to prepare for it because I don't normally write anything. So to write the speech is going to take me a while. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, to have like all three, the time, three or four months notice <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and just stress about it for the, uh -huh. the entire time. This thing just looming out there the, the entire time that was just enough to kill me. I feel like, and I'm sorry, you were there. You can, I think, attest to this. I feel like though, 
the the cavern between how nervous and concerned you were about it and how good your speech was you never would have known it was so good yeah it was structured well it had a yes. theme it had a great quote <laughs> that, at yes. the end that's you what, you, George. That's it, what yes. you would care about is the structure the thesis? i, I, I yeah. had i had a great admiration for it as a writer uh -huh. and i was like that was that was really well done and, and you you didn't seem nervous i'm sure you probably no. were but you 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 uh you, you it was a great thing but one of prior to his speech there's a video that uh, uh, Fox 6's Ted Perry put together, and um, he interviewed some of us about Dave and our thoughts on Dave, and then just told a little story about who Dave is. And in that piece, there was uh, just a, a great focus on a character trait, a personality trait that you are well known for, which so is endearing. basically, um, it, 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 I'll just put it this way, the video ended with uh, a pan up to, to a like a thought bubble that's outside of Dave's room or a talk bubble that, that just shows like, you know, a, Basically, it's a curse word, but with characters like, yeah. you know, exclamation asterisk. point and asterisk and all that. And and as, it, as the camera's panning up, he says, you know, that's something we'll swear by. You're known for your colorful language. I'm wondering, <laughs> was has that always been your personality or or did this job do that to you? Or is that just is it some of both? Some of definitely some of both. You know, anybody that's worked in a newsroom knows that that's a little bit of a trait of most newsrooms, maybe, maybe less so now than, you know, 20, 30 years ago kind of thing. Um, I literally, I, I could swear that now this could be just my mush brain, not remembering things right. I could swear that I used to have a producer when I first started here, who was like out of central casting kind of thing, you know, smoker's voice, you know, blah, 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 get, I need that video now, blah, blah, that kind of stuff. And I swear to God, he had a bottle of whiskey in his bedroom. <laughs> All the old I, days. I don't know. I don't know if that's true, or if it's just like I said. My brain is mixing up, you know, movies with uh, this yeah. this character. But um, so newsrooms already lean towards that, and then you ramp up the stress that's involved, like especially for show editing, mm -hmm. um, where you're under the gun constantly and that type of thing. And that's just it's the perfect place for <laughs> it foul really, language. It really is. Um, and then. Then, then it just became an innate type of thing. You know, well, my just... favorite part of the video is Eddie Poser, photographer here, uh, who shot the video. He set up outside your edit bay, and and it's this small edit bay that's in you know windowless and the whole thing. You are away from the newsroom, so there's also a little more freedom to just oh, sort totally. of be yourself, yeah. right? So he he decides to set up and get some video, and and we know already that there's going to be this theme of Dave's uh, language as part of this video, and he wants to get some just video of Dave working. And and I was talking to Eddie about this yesterday, and and I said the the, the stuff where you've got Dave cursing, you know, dropping f bombs. It was so natural. He goes, he goes, yeah. He goes, I, I you know, I just set up for a little while, and he goes, none of that was scripted, none of that was forced. He just yeah, he, he was doing it like Dave and starts I, swearing. He, he said, he said, I, I, I just wanted to watch long enough to let the f bombs leak out. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line because yeah. the f bombs leaked out. Well, and they did. were so natural. I think they leaked out almost right away. As, I was soon, gonna say, as soon as you started shooting video, I was yeah. like, what the. F you, <laughs> you get to bleep yourself out when you edit this that's fantastic <laughs> one other real quick story about that uh, before i forget um when we were i think we were um doing a new studio re remodeling the mm -hmm. studio and so the the new set they moved out to the atrium in the middle of our building and that was sort of down the hall from the old edit area not where we are now and they multiple times had to come and tell us to be quiet and stop swearing so much because it was leaking out down the hall and you could hear yes. it on the air yes. in the middle of newscast you could oh, hear wow. us like screaming and yelling and that kind of stuff so um yeah we, we could probably talk forever but we actually have a little surprise for you and i want to make sure we get this in oh, um we uh <laughs> 
This is your life. So we, you know, there are a lot of people you've worked with over the years who are no longer here at Fox 6 News, but they still have uh, wonderful things to say about their time with Dave Machuda. So uh, I want to hear, we want to play and hear from a few of those right now and have you watch it with us. Oh, God. All right. So I'll tell a story about Dave Machuda from my time at Fox 6 working with him. And it's got to be on air safe. The only weird thing or thing that I remember a weird anecdote about you um, is that you don't like I Love Lucy. When I hear the name Dave Machuda, <laughs> I think of a bear. At first, a grizzly bear. His looks are intimidating, and you wonder just how bad that bite could be. And then you start talking with Dave, and you realize he's nothing more than a teddy bear. I don't think I've ever worked with anybody who swore more, uh, who wore shorts in all temperatures. You're like a junior high boy. And um, I don't think I've ever worked with anybody who kind of straddled the line between lovable and curmudgeon quite like you just hearing um you talking in your edit booth while you were working that is my most vivid memory and reoccurring his edit bay door is always open to listen to anyone talk life it is the walk-in closet where everyone in the newsroom walks in he is the hub of the newsroom an investigative reporter is only as good as his or her photojournalist and editor and boy was I lucky to uh, get to work with Dave Machuda, one of the best in the business. We always have Machuda in our head when we're out on the shoot. Did we get the right shots? Is he <laughs> going to be happy with what we got? Is he going to have to make chicken salad out of you know what? So often Dave is given stories that might not have the best visuals, but are still important to tell viewers. And he finds a great way to make it visual and yet entertaining and still get the information across to viewers. And it is just incredible to know that you could hand a script to someone and know that he is going to make your story so much better. You're great at your job. You truly have a gift. But the best thing about the gift that you have is your willingness to share it with other people. He's willing to share all the tips and tricks of how he puts together amazing Pieces. Dave was always there um, to mentor me and <laughs> and uh, show me the correct way to do things in a professional environment uh, when I wasn't always the most professional kid. I swear I can't tell you how much I look up to you. I appreciate you and I thank you for everything you told me. When I get behind these keyboards every day, man, I'm only trying to impress one person. And that's you. Because if I get your seal of approval, what can they say? That's real. Dave Machuda taught me everything I know about editing. He talked me about, uh, you know, appropriate uh, transitions. He taught me about, um, you know, appropriate use of natural sound. I have been waiting for the day for you to retire because, you know, I've been wanting your job forever. <laughs> but, you know, you're not going to leave. <laughs> and I hope you're here another 50 years. Because if you to do anything like this cat, beat it with a capital B. I worked at a lot of places before Fox 6 and a lot of places after in a bunch of different fields. And I don't think there was anybody as good at their job that I've ever worked with as you are at your job. Dave, thank you so much for your incredible talent. Thank you for making everyone around you better. You are the best to ever do it, the best that ever will do it. You're the best editor that I have ever known. 
You're great at your job. You truly have a gift. You are the best of the best. You are magical at what you do. There is nobody that makes news or ordinary life look as good as you do. So, uh, Dave, congrats. You've earned it. Huge congratulations to you. Congratulations, crazy. Congratulations. Congratulations. Dave, congratulations on this well-deserved honor. Wow. So there you go. Yay. And that's wow. just a sprinkling of the people. I mean, I can only think of all the people you have worked with and who, who your work has touched over the years. Wow, that was awesome to see a bunch of people I haven't seen in a long time. I, I, if I had time, I would love to have reached out to even more. But I realized yeah. I, my my connection to uh, so many people is, is, in many cases, the on-air people who we've worked with in the investigative unit mm-hmm. in Contact 6. But I just think of the number of photographers and editors, reporters, anchors you have worked with well, and I in all this time. I remember half of them, to tell yeah. you the truth. Right. I mean, the amount of, like, especially, like, editors, show editors, part-time editors have gone through, you know, over the years. People will pull up names. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's just been it's been a lot well, and, 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 and still, what, that. My, that was, my favorite part awesome. is that it's still going, that well, you yeah. are still here. And yeah. I've said, if you go anywhere, uh, the, the, We're the, all the, going the with you. my proof will be revealed and, yeah. and they'll be like, he's not that good after all. <laughs> so we are running a short on time, but I want to take a break. We'll come back. We'll have to do a quick off the record segment when we come right back. And it is time for us to go off the record. This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more casual, have a little fun by answering a question for which we have not prepared. But of course, Sarah has that question today. Uh, So because we're short on time, I was like, I think I'm going to save this other one. Sorry, Dave. Okay, how about this? I'm calling an audible. What meal traumatized you as a kid? Oh, I know. I know mine, but I want to hear yours. Me and my brothers and sisters still joke about this. My mom made something called salmon loaf. (laughs) <laughs> oh, just the name just of it the mm, that sounds yeah. delicious. Mm. and it's pretty much what you would think of it was okay. like meatloaf but made with like salmon oh. or something <laughs> like a salmon cake but you know in a, and, and this yeah. is you know and there were there were very few things that my mom would not let us eat and unfortunately that wasn't one of them she made us eat that kind of thing the one thing that she didn't force us to eat was liver and onions yeah, yeah, no, and I, and I think she didn't force us to eat that. Just my dad and my grandpa ate that. She didn't eat that. She didn't force us to because she wouldn't eat it. Oh, so see, that's a good. That's a good mom. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I'd be like, I'm not eating that. You're gonna eat it. Well, yeah. And I remember asking her one time. I was like, you know, mom. I was like ten years old. You know, why don't you eat the liver and onions? You make it for grandpa and for dad. Why don't you eat it? And she just goes, because it tastes like. <laughs> <shit."> <laughs> that's too. And I was like, ah, oh, first time I never heard my mom swear. Okay, like, mom. No. Yeah. Uh, now we know where it came from. Okay. So I, I think back, it's very clear to me. Uh, back in the day, I think people used to make a lot more casseroles. Oh, totally. like yeah. I think casseroles yeah. was set, you know, if you didn't have a good casserole set. Um, yeah. and, and so uh, my mom used to make something that was like a, I don't even know what it was exactly, except that it was, it was a casserole that I know had chunks of mushroom in it. It was, it was pasta. It had, had a little like, uh, like cubes of mushroom Sounds or something. Sounds delicious, actually. Chunks. And, and it was the mushrooms. Mushroom cubes? It was kind of like chicken cubes, but they were mushrooms. Uh, she didn't have an air fryer. So, no, but 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 the, see, there's something about the texture of mushroom, even to this day, that I'm not a big fan of. I've, I've come oh, around same. on mushrooms, still not pickles, but oh. but the mushrooms, I, yeah. I just, there was something about this dish. It would be a mound on my plate, and I just, if I could try to pick out <laughs> each and every individual mushroom, I might be okay. But mostly, the thought of just taking that bite gave me that immediate gag reflex and and i i just i couldn't you know it probably was a very delicious casserole but i had that mental block that uh yeah that that one i had so when i knew it was that's what was being made you had that like i'd be playing outside you know we were were playing ball in the street and then you smell the oh no it's casserole (laughs) 
Oh, and, yeah. no. when you ask your friend, hey, can, can you invite me over Can I come and hang out at your house I'm today? I'm going to yeah. Ryan's house. Right, yeah. No, that's I'm totally with you on the casserole, but it was tuna for me. Oh, okay. Tuna yeah. casserole yeah. with like the chips on the top. Oh, that, that sounds cool. okay. I love it. No, I love it now. Like, I would eat the crap out of that now, but when there's a kid, you just smell it. I'm like, ugh. Sarah, what's yours? Um, I'm more of like a. My dad used to make these like like liver sausage sandwiches it was just like oh. like as a brown schweiger oh, oh brown the smell love of it Schreiger. and so i don't love my dad loved I don't, it I don't and so he, we would make it or like ring bologna is also disgusting oh, to me oh no, i love ring bologna Bur too um but now so like 2000s sarah one of my girlfriends was like i made this dip it's brown schweiger dip it's really good and i thought maybe i'll change my mind on it I brought me right back no thanks <laughs> liver sausage that's it for me you know what liver sausage is really good for is nope. if you have trash no if you have pets and you need to give them pills oh oh sure you yeah. Kind of like yeah. Form. yeah shove that in there and my, you know my dog would just like drool as soon as he sees the thing come out and eat those perfect pills. for that okay. uh, basically brown schweiger is like liver pate essentially it is. right yeah. it's really what it is and i remember going to port hotel when it existed and they would bring out the little the little appetizer plate that had the the pate and the little the vegetables or whatever it is and and that to me was i would just give me bread other bread is fine <laughs> just bread yeah uh and that's i think a good time for us to wrap things up dave this has been great thank you oh, for, for, for coming on it's kind of much like the break. speech we do have to take oh i'm sorry hey we'll take one more break and we'll come right back after this <laughs> All right, so you know I'm new to this. I've never done TV before. Apparently, I didn't take enough breaks, but that was our final That's why break. I'm here, Dave. Thank you so much for coming on. I know that front of the camera is not your forte, but boy, yep. are you good at it. Oh, I yeah. mean, this was this has been fantastic. I wish you would have worn your really really huge cool medal. I thought about it. It's hanging you on the should. Wall. Oh, you got, yeah, the medallion. Yeah. That was great. It probably Beautiful. messed with the frequencies of the microphone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you got to get down and edit this thing. <laughs> if you have a topic you would like us to discuss on Open Record or an issue you think we should investigate for Fox 6 News, send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. As always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible, including our executive producer, Sarah Smith, our editor, Dave Machuda, and our chief photographer, manning the video switcher, Kale Zimney. With that, I'm Brian Polson. We'll be back next week. Oh.